0: But most people will already put limitations on themselves, like put themselves in a place where they're going to fail before they've even tried.
1: Absolutely. It comes down to your mindset. I dropped out of high school at 16. My parents were like, why can't you do that? And so nothing was ever good enough. So my adult attitude is, well, why can't I just email that journalist or why can't I be on that stage teaching to 100 people? And why can't I grow my Instagram account by 200,000 followers in six months? Why can't I? And the answer is...
0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Kim Barrett Show. I am your host, Kim Barrett, and today we are joined by the amazing Nikki Milne from Hearth Collective PR, uh, amazing uh, PR social strategy specialist. Now, if you're someone who wants to grow your business, leverage PR, and also social media in the right way, this is an episode you will not want to miss. And of course, if we can help you with your paid ads, head over to our free Facebook group, www.joinmygroup.com.au, where you can join and we'll get everything you need and more. But until then, let's jump into the show. Nikki, thank you so much for joining us today. Really appreciate you making the time.
1: Thank you for having me. I'm a big fan of the show, so it's nice to be on the other end of um, the show and actually having a chat with you.
0: Yeah, no, absolute pleasure. Great to have you here. And uh, I always like to uh, start the podcast off the same way every time, which is uh, for those that, won't, that don't already know you. If I met you at a party and we were chatting and I said to you, Nikki, what is it that you actually do? What's your go-to answer?
1: Uh, I am a marketing and PR expert that helps people organically reach their ideal client.
0: And like, oh, it's always funny when I say this because I was like, the marketing and PR people, they surely they're going to nail it because it's like sometimes people are, ooh, ah, and, but it's like it just rolls off the tongue for you. So I love that.
1: Yes. And I try not to confuse people too much because the more I, Expand on that sentence. The more people go, yeah, I don't understand what you do. So I keep it short and sharp, and then they go, oh, okay, I can comprehend that logically.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, I uh, I love it. It's a it's a great explanation, and uh, and it's also so important as you mentioned, like organically, because like a lot of people, there's like you know, there's organic strategies and there's there's pay strategies, and um, I'm a big lover of the pay strategies just because I'm like much much lazier than you to figure things out. You you're like I'm figuring out you figure out all the nuances of the strategies to make it work, and I'm just like. If I can put some money on it and make it go, like yes, that's that's my goal. So, what do you kind of see work these days for uh, for organic? Because some people around the world spout that organic is dead. Other people are like, well, you know, if you've got the right strategy and the right approach, it works. Like, what are you seeing work for yourself and and your clients? I
1: like- I think this is, uh what the whole way along. So, winding back a little bit, I was a hairdresser that owned a hairdressing salon um, in my previous career. I sold that with always a passion. I was doing marketing. Uh, but I had no marketing degree and I so sure as hell couldn't have got a job at the time because I had nothing that proved that I could market people's businesses. So, I launched a business called the Perth Collective. It was aimed to help women in business uh, grow through organic marketing strategies. And one of the first things I did within eight weeks is throw a huge event. Now, that event obviously was a little bit of a risk because if I didn't sell a ticket to it, I was suddenly out for, I think it was $12,000 back in the day. Um, but fortunately, I had 200 people attend that. The amount of publicity and um, brand awareness and credibility, it gave me almost instantly within eight weeks. I was there to be serious and taken seriously. Um, so that was a phenomenal strategy. And to this point that I still use it today, so only maybe six weeks ago I did a big masterclass day. Again, a hundred plus business owners attend. Um, it's a lot more educational these days. But again, it created the same buzz. The media come and took photos of everyone attending. It was in the paper, it went, you know, quite viral on social media. So though events are a big risk financially or potentially if you can actually figure out a strategy to make them work. I honestly think that is one of the better strategies organic wise to instantly get you in front of your ideal client, gather a huge amount of brand awareness and create so much buzz around your brand.
0: And now with that like on top of that, obviously you don't just throw an event together and the media turn up and take photos and and it goes everywhere. What's um? What are some of the things that you found over time that have kind of helped for that? Obviously, I know you build great relationships with people, and you know that compounds over time. But if someone was to put together an event and try and work on something like that, what are what are the steps that they need to put in place to be ready to be able to to bring that sort of attention in?
1: Yeah, well, from the media's point of view, they will uh, generally now they don't with me because they know my caliber of clients that attend and the people who attend my events. But certainly in the early days, they wanted guest lists. They want to know who the top five influential people that are attending. And they're usually people that have a community standpoint as well as potentially something in a digital space as in social media or TikTok or something like that. Originally, they weren't interested. Actually, the media, traditional media really shied away from your influencers Um, and any social media people, and they looked for community-based people that were influential. But in today's world, they couldn't afford it. So now they look for influencers as well. So probably one of the biggest tips would be go and find five key people, even if you have to pay them to attend your event and pay them to actually be there shouting out about your event, whether it be on social media, on a blog or whatever, because that will give your event credibility in uh, hopefully your ideal clients eyes but also in the media's eyes so probably the biggest thing is to make sure you stack it at the start with five key people that are known outside of your smaller circle
0: that's great yeah i wish i did that when i I did a um a big event just before covid called certified Ballers live and i got mark boris in and like but like stupid amount of of money on the event which was great unfortunately it happened like my goal was to sell into another event not long after, but we had COVID like hit yep. after. So it kind of ruined my sales plan um, from that perspective. So that was great. But yeah, we, um, yeah, stupidly- that was, it,
1: yeah. that was such a thing. And I was so disappointed I couldn't go, but I didn't really know a lot about your brand at that stage. So I think that's the other thing as well. You can't just throw an event. That sounds very easy and short-sighted of me to say an event, but you have to have like an eight to 10-week strategy before and then an eight-week strategy after of what you're going to sell. So the event really is the key catalyst, but either side of it, you need to build out campaigns to leverage. Um, and like he's saying, unfortunately, that was taken away with from you with the COVID situation, but I do an event. And then so my most recent one, I did an event. I launched an online course knowing full well that people at that event would get hooked on my content. And then hopefully there was an offer that they had to take up within 48 hours to sign up to a brand amplifier course. Um, And I think I had 20 people sign up, but it was $1,000 each. So that was $20,000 I made additionally off the back of that one event.
0: Yeah. And I, I definitely, now knowing all the things I know and, you know, having uh, uh, friends and, and people like you that I know that I would be able to go, actually, okay, great. If I was going to do it again, I would do so many things different because like we, we put on, as I said, it was a great event. It was at Optus. We were the first ones to kind of do a big event, a big event there. Um, and it was like great feedback, really great clients and stuff in the room. But it was like, it happened and without us pushing before and then kind of posted as well, it's like, we, we didn't really get the, uh, the reach that we would have, would have loved to. And now like, if I was to do it again, I'm like, okay, great. I know what I would do completely differently, uh, from that perspective.
1: Absolutely. And if you've got someone like Mark Boris coming over, um, you would have absolutely made it part of his agreement with you that he would be interviewed in the West Australian media on behalf of your brand. So we do quite, so obviously my other part of my business is I have a PR agency. So if someone comes to me and says they're bringing such and such to Perth, I'm like, right, make sure that contract states that they will give an interview to a localized journalist here. So, that they can be talking to the local media saying, I'm coming to Perth. This is the reason I'm here to front this, this event. And, um, but they're also giving access to the journalist to someone that perhaps the journalist wouldn't have had the opportunity to actually connect with and speak with. So, absolutely. He's such a golden ticket at the moment as well, a phenomenal person. So, I think, yeah, absolutely could have made a lot more of that event. But we live and learn, isn't it? Now, next time, which hopefully yeah. you'll do another
0: one. <laughs> yeah. I was like, lucky I, yeah. I, I pulled some, some, some good parts about of uh of the event out of it and some things like again knowing that you know it's it's hard to know and sometimes it's quite hard to negotiate and i was like i remember at the time i think he's changed a bit now but he wouldn't do interviews on anyone else's podcast because he was launching the mentor podcast but i put in my contract was like he had to be on the kim barrett show so as as part of it to help promote it because i wasn't allowed to use any images of him to promote the event one of the things there because um at the time he wasn't speaking at many events it was like mine was he'd have probably spoken at two other big events and that was it and he didn't want to do any of this but then i was like well if i put him on the podcast there's no clause in there that i can't promote the podcast which speaks about it so uh, I, I was like i'm gonna go crazy with that so i you know pump that with like a hundred thousand views or something like that across it but uh it was um it was interesting, and as well, it's like when you when you have things like that, like a big name, is good from the publicity standpoint. But it's funny, like most people that came to the event, only ten percent of people that came came for him. Uh, oh, really? Yeah. So, like everyone else was like, "Oh, cool, he's speaking," but like that wasn't like the drawcard. Um, yeah. Was another another speaker who was like more more locally known in Perth for a particular topic or something like that was kind of what what worked the best. So it was just interesting to see all these things. And in hindsight, it's always interesting to see.
1: And I think that's it. If you are going down the track of luring a big speaker to Western Australia, obviously we're isolated. So number one, most of them are going to ask for private flyer, first class flights or business class flights. They're going to want, you know, probably to stay at our Crown Hotel or our top hotel then they're going to charge a twenty dollars to $30,000 speaker fee. And if they're only accounting for 10% of your audience, like you're saying, then you've got to really weigh up. Is it worth them actually coming here? Mm-hmm. So that's why I've always in my mind shied away from bringing speakers in because to me, I can get 100 to 150 people just me speaking all day. Then to go and take that twenty grand and put it onto a key speaker to come in and speak for 15, 20 minutes with all those uh, limitations around it, It's definitely something to consider if anyone's listening to us and thinking, oh, I'm going to put on a big event and I'm going to bring a speaker in. That is the reality of it. And you'll see most people that there is very few people that do that scale of event due to these reasons and the risk of putting another 20 grand on an already, you know, 30 or $40,000 hotel bill where you're hosting it. That's a huge risk to any small business. Um, and if you've got a key speaker that potentially doesn't align with you or says something wrong on stage, that's the other thing. You are so governed by what comes out of their mouth and it might you might not agree with it. It might cause controversy. You know, we've seen events where people have spoken and they've said the wrong thing or politically incorrect. And from that, the brand that's associated with them has been absolutely annihilated in the PR, in the media. So it's also the high risk that you can't control that speaker as well. So there are so many components, you know, we say have an event, but my first event was just a networking event um, that I did nine years ago. So that's a great place to start if you're thinking, oh, God, what are you keep talking about? It's way too high risk for where I'm at in business. Just go back and throw a big party, get the like-minded people together, get them to celebrate your brand, even if it's existing clients, by doing a Christmas party or something like that. Um, and you know, back then I was only eight weeks in, I didn't know a single person in the media. I just looked up a journalist's name and emailed them and said, I'm having this big event, women in business. If you'd like to attend, that'd be great. And they come back and said, yes. And I was a nobody then I had zero connections. So don't feel that you can't reach out to the media. You sure as hell can. Um, and you just never know. It might be just exactly what they're looking for.
0: I think that's it. And the, the big thing that I uh, love about what you do and teach as well is that it's all like. If you just take the steps, like you can achieve results with whatever it is that you do. And the same as like, I like to teach people when we're talking about ads, but most people will already put limitations on themselves before they even try and go. It was like, I could never, they're not going to come and do this. Or if I put this post up on Instagram, that'll not work. Like people already put themselves like in a place where they're going to fail without they've, before they've even tried. And it's, you know, it's people that like yourself, when you first start like, oh, oh just ask someone. All, the, all they can say is not. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. It's mindset. It comes down to your mindset. And I feel like I've been determined my whole life and I dropped out of high school at 16. And I was very much, my parents were like, why can't you do that? You should do that. You know, nothing, I grew up with parents where I sometimes felt nothing was ever good enough. But in the same time, it gave me so much resilience because I was like, well, why can't I do that? So my adult attitude is, well, why can't I just email that journalist or why can't I be on that stage teaching to a hundred people? And why can't I grow my Instagram account by 200,000 followers in six months? <laughs> like it's just, why can't I? And the answer is, well, you can, you need to just find the way.
0: That's it. And I think it's it's funny as you, you say that, it's like where you can be, like if you're held to a high standard where you feel like sometimes it might not be good enough, but it also pushes you to to strive, right? Like, I remember one time I came home and I was like, got 85% in a test when I was in like year seven to my dad. And he's like, what happened to the other 15%? And I was like, yeah. I got 85%, like, come on. Like- yeah.
1: And it is, it's such that thing that at the time you feel like, oh, this is so, you know, it's so hard on me. But then as an adult, you go, wow, that's what's pushed me to be where I am because I don't accept mediocre. I take action because at the end of the day, it's our responsibility. Sure, you can say maybe that journalist won't answer that email or not, but maybe they will. So you've got nothing to lose. And I think, you know, in this world where there's so much burden on everyone, this mindset's disappearing very quickly. So the people that do have it are shining more so than ever because everyone is very much, um, you know, interest rates and business is hard and COVID and all the rest of it. So if you could work on anything as a business owner, probably the thing to be working on the most is at the moment having that mindset. That is, the, I can do it, and I will do it, and I will find a way.
0: Yeah. And it's, as you say, everything is hard. Like, it's, you just got to choose which hard you want. Like, there's it's going to be hard either way. You can have the hard conversations with journalists, with trying to figure out the right content strategy and do all of that, or you can have the hard one of being like, oh, no one's coming to me, I'm not making any sales, and interest rates are going up, and business is hard. Like, either way, you've got hard stuff to deal with.
1: And at any point in your life, hmm. you know, it it just keeps recurring in life there's always hard times so absolutely it's about having that positive mindset and can do mindset
0: 100 percent. and i would love to touch on a little bit of the the social strategy stuff as well because we talked yeah. about a little bit before we started and you're like i know that you're always constantly refining um what you're doing there and not only for yourself but obviously the the clients that you teach and that you do um a services for is there anything where you're like this seems to be like a little bit of a a uh a sweet spot at the moment because obviously i know as well things change quite often um that and you've got to be abreast of it and and watching what things are going being this is you know end of the first uh month of the new financial year in australia so the end of july when we're recording this is there anything that you're seeing at the moment where you're like this is something that we're doing for a lot of our clients and we're seeing it work really well
1: yeah, absolutely. So at the moment, I'm doubling down on content is working really well. So that is exhausting and it's not for the faint-hearted, but um, we were just talking before we jumped on here that at the moment, I'm just about, well, I've just started a 30-day content challenge for myself where it's two reels every single day. So the trick to that is keeping it cons- consistent. So at 8 a.m. every morning I post and at 6 p.m. every night I post, but I've also niched down my content. And we're finding this, so we manage 16 social media accounts and we're doing the same thing. We're niching down, pumping out the content, not overthinking it. It's completely a volume strategy, um, but it's speaking to the pain points. So if you've been watching me, I've stopped basically sharing anything about the course that I'm selling. I've completely gone silent on that what I'm doing for the next month is alluding people to the biggest issues, whether and my target audience is females that are parents that have a career or want a career, they want to be earning a hundred, two hundred grand take home in their pocket, but they're also juggling family life as well. So their pain points would be overwhelmed, not enough time in the day. Um so as soon as you notice you I guess define the pain points of that particular ideal customer. Or aligned client, you actually then just keep highlighting that to them. So then they become aware that you can provide the solution. And that is when you obviously step in and provide the solution. So definitely uh, increasing content if you want to see growth. It's a volume strategy. The more you post, the more chances are you're going to be seen.
0: And what, as you mentioned they're like, you know, not make not being precious about it and focusing on that. Like, how hard is it for Reels? Like, are you still spending a ton of time editing them? Is it just you're like, cool, me, speaking about pain points, subtitles, get it up there? Or, like, what what depth of uh, effort are you going to on that side?
1: It's funny you ask this. This morning I worked out a Reel and then, honestly, I reckon it was eight seconds. And I was like, that's really quick. <laughs> but basically, I come in here and to my studio on Monday and I just walk around my studio doing what I normally do every day. And I just have a camera set up recording me doing that. So I might get half an hour footage of me going about my day. I then chop that up into like five seconds or 10 second little reels, uh, lengths of video. So they call it B-rolls, a backup roll. Um, And then I literally chuck some text over and find a trending audio. And I have a rule with myself that it's one of the first three or four um, audios that come up when I scroll through reels. Because otherwise you get in a tangent and you start looking and looking and looking and all of a sudden you're 10 reels in, you're like, oh God, I forgot about the music I'm trying to find. So I literally look at the first two or three that organically shows up on my Instagram algorithm and I will use one of those first two or three and just bang it out. So the trick is not to overthink it, have some general content, don't even worry about what that content really looks like and then chuck some text over the top of it and share it. And the other strategy is to put the call to action at the end of your captions. So you'll notice on my content, I will put a little bit of information about their pain points, appeal to them, um, and we call agitator. So we agitate the problem a little bit and then we will, I'll actually put a line and say, you know, if you're, I've got a chat GDP freebie at the moment. So if you want marketing made easy. Comment freebie below that's triggered by many chats, um, a little DM into their message, and I'll send you the freebie. Um, and so that's enabled my email list is growing at around 500 to 1,000 people a week at the moment with that strategy.
0: Nice. And that's all just from your content They're all coming through there?
1: Yeah. And I kind of felt like I was hammering it a bit because I've been on this chat GP freebie for about four weeks now. Um, but every day I'm getting probably another 15 to 50 even to a hundred signups for this ChatGPT freebie. It hasn't actually wavered. So obviously that's part of nailing your lead magnet. But it's also appealing to my ideal client because by using ChatGPT, it's going to shorten their marketing, reduce overwhelm, all the key things that they're worried about and their pain points. This is actually going to help. So even though you think you're hammering something, you've got to remember that only maybe two or 3% of your audience is actually seeing it. So, they might not have seen my last six reels, but then they see that one reel and see the call to action, which is comment freebie to get the freebie. And they've obviously commented. So, I think that's really important. We've got to remember that only, you know, one to two, three percent actually see each piece of content and that's not a lot. So, don't be afraid to rinse and repeat. And then one reel I did like four days ago has kind of gone to 15,000. Today, I will literally just repost that again with different audio and a different cover.
0: Mm, Nice.
1: You don't have to, and I've seen people doing. I'm a big watcher of people in the US at the moment doing this, and they will do that. And then the next time, it might go to a million that particular reel. Don't feel you have to reinvent the content. The other thing I did was well, and then yes,
0: yeah.
1: So go back and drop your statistics to the last two years of posts and the last two years of reels, and screenshot your top nine, and then convert them into reels. So use exactly the same words. You can even use the same caption, um, but convert them into reels. I love that. So that, uh, that is a real, you don't need to be inventing constantly and coming up with new content constantly. Use what's worked previously in the last two years. Look at that. What's the theme in it? What's the message in it? Um, and that will absolutely help you on your way to creating on content that's really going to resonate with what you're doing.
0: I love that. And have you just found that that style of content we're talking about, like text over b-roll versus like because for, for example, me, I've always been posting like me speaking content because I do so much of a podcast and things like that, and I use that so much. But I'm seeing yourself and and a lot of other people where they're just going like b-roll text over the top and you know getting much better results than me. so like is I'm assuming absolutely. that
1: absolutely. And I did that too. I went down the speaking track. I had Ashley um, from How Media come and film my whole masterclass and got the content back. And I was like, yeah. And then I was like, I don't know about this. I have a gut feeling that it's just not resonating with people. And then again, watching it right in the U.S., they're just using B-roll with text over it. So i flipped to that, which is so much quicker, so much easier. And you don't overthink it. You don't have to edit it. You don't have to put captions on it. And I'm just whacking it out. So I'm getting it out probably double the amount of content because I'm not having to do all that back-end stuff. So, and it's actually going a lot more viral than when I was actually putting all that effort into it. I'm
0: stupid, I know. Stupid us trying to give people value and put all this effort into it and then it's just like, you know, simple and stuff, I think still value giving but like…
1: Totally, but I think it's not- a different stage. So I think this is my theory from diving deep into it in the last six weeks. People are not at that stage with you yet. They're actually just at the get-to-know first date stage so they that's why the b-roll content aligns with them because it's actually getting to know you who you are and what you've overcome without being so in your face of speaking directly to the camera that's quite confronting and that's quite confident and a lot of people that will actually put off especially if that's your clientele that are like you know my clientele's mums and business owners are women so that can be quite confronting for them um, so by backing it off and actually being a bit more gentler in my approach, which is the B role, I'm seeing, seeing a lot more uptake. So it's really interesting. I feel like there's a change in, in how we're doing content right now as well on social media.
0: Yeah. I love that. And I think it's very, as you mentioned there, that's real specific and makes sense for like for you know, Facebook, Instagram, and potentially even TikTok. Um, and then. I'm thinking, because I was like, I've got so much of this content, I want to use it. And I was like, well, look, that's probably going to maybe do me better on YouTube shorts where people are looking for that yeah. sort of content rather than on these platforms. And now I'm just going to go and cancel my whole uh, strategy after this. Well, I going and yeah. redo all my
1: content. We're, We're dating. We're just getting to know each other, what we like, what our biggest problem is. Um, and I feel like that with yours, I don't really know where you started. Mm-hmm. So like, I've got no idea what you did before this. I had no idea your background, where you come from, you know, where you grew up and all those kind of things. And I think we forget that as business owners and that's what makes us interesting. So, you know, when you're saying, you know, I was that person that couldn't work out how to market my business. I was that person that had no budget for Facebook ads, you know, and then, you know, aggravate that pain point because people going, I know I want to do ads, but I'm terrified I'll spend all that money and they not be the result. Well, that's the agitation. And if you start doing B-roll content around that agitation, people will suddenly gain confidence in you because you're actually in a shining example of how it does work.
0: Mm, I love that. And luckily, up six years' worth of B-roll, so I can go back and use all of that now uh, and do something with it. So
1: You're being like me, just banging them out, so don't overthink it. Literally, I give myself 15 seconds, and if I can't produce and, um real, any kind of real in 15 seconds, I'm overthinking it. And we do this for our clients and it's always the ones that I whack out in seven seconds that do the best, without
0: doubt. 100%. And that's the same as I remember the other day I had an idea. I was like, oh, Matt Rife, the comedian was coming to Perth. I was like, and he sold out his shows. I'm like, I'm just going to do like a green screen about like what he did and what I think was cool. And like, you know, 60,000 views on TikTok, like I think five or 10,000 on Instagram. And I was like, uh. Oh. and then all my other ones are like, super well laid. I was like so much thought into them. I'm like, oh, they all suck. But
1: And that's it. You've got to hit the popular. And I mean, my one that's just gone viral is the top 10 taxable incomes in Australia. So I actually noticed on Nine News, they put out a thing saying, um, you know, these are the top um, highest taxable incomes in Australia. And I'm right at the top, which I don't like to talk about how much I earn directly, but I was how do I make people understand that I'm not mucking around? I actually earn a huge wage every year. Um, for a female that also has four children and a husband that works shift word. So that for me was a different way of showing that I can be trusted. I know what I'm talking about. And imagine you taking home this income while juggling your family. So I think we've just got to repackage it to suit us as well, because I don't want to come out and say exactly how much I earn each year, but I also need to make people aware that I'm not mucking around. I know what I'm doing. So I think that's a really, you know, we call it clickbait. Yeah. The Matt Riffe up clickbait. Anything to do with money, it's clickbait, but if it doesn't align with you that you don't want to disclose how much your business makes, well then there is other creative ways we can do that. But people will always be curious about how much you make. They will always be curious about a celebrity or something that's a hot topic in the news. So, um, and I think I spoke about it at your event newsjacking, you can certainly newsjack on social media as well. And yeah. you might need to do that a few times to get the viability.
0: Love that. And Nick, I, I could speak to you about these things all day, uh, so we'll make sure we'll stay on track. Yeah. Uh, I'd really like to ask a, a question, which is, is there anything that I haven't asked you that I should have today?
1: I think we've covered off a lot of it. I think the biggest thing is uh, people want media, uh, going back to the PR and media. And I go obviously from your audience, that's what I get asked the most. And it is literally th- actually just emailing people. You know, don't be afraid to reach out, find a journalist email, pitch yourself to them, form a, co- a connection because you've got to remember nine years ago, I knew not one journalist to now run a mega PR agency, but all that was just taking that first step to email them. So I guess that's probably the most important thing I find for your audience is actually just starting to um, put yourself out there and connect with those journalists.
0: I, hate the lead. I love it. And now Nikki, if anyone's been listening to this and they're like, I love what I've heard from Nikki. I want to find out more about where she, what she's up to, where she is. Where's the best place for them to connect with you online?
1: Yeah, I just want to make it simple. So, follow me on Nikki Milne underscore on Instagram. I'm on TikTok, but not very relevantly or frequently. So, just definitely check me out on Instagram, uh, Nikki underscore, and hit me up in the DMs if you want that chat GPT freebie.
0: Awesome. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Nikki, for joining us. Really appreciate you making the time.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Cheers.